You know what I call this? Less than zero with vampire fangs. Amazing. Show over, bitch. (laughs) Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. The movies. I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. That's great. You probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. I can't believe I conned into coming with Spearsies for Halloween. What a lame way to spend the holiday. He better not show me his pumpkins again. Welcome, brave soul, to the haunted lair. Oh, man, you dragged me out here for this? Enter if you dare, my friend, and behold horrors that will tear the very fabric of your mind. All right, fine, fine. I'll play along. Go on, Boris. Be mindful of the cobwebs, gentle soul, for they are full of deadly spiders. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's cotton candy you got hanging there, buddy. Uh, it's still pink, not very scary, but that would explain the spiders and probably the cockroaches later. Uh, okay, well then behold, then, the magic elixir of the dragon, to be consumed only if you do not fear the very specter of death. Yeah, alright, give me the Dixie cup. Yep, gin and fresca. Oh, but with purple food coloring. Wow, at least it has alcohol in it. And to quench your hunger, I offer you this dish of wriggling worms served in the bath of a virgin's blood. Dude, that's my pad thai from lunch. You stole my leftovers. Maybe I did, but this chilling score will put you in the right mood. Where are you? We got some work to do now. Is that this theme from Scooby-Doo? Dude, this is pathetic. (laughs) I'm sorry, dude. I just really want to have some fun this year, I guess. I just... I don't know how to make something really freaky. Do you want me to just turn on the Lost Boys? We can hang out and watch that instead. Whoa, 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 Spearsy, wait a minute. A life-size doll of Crispin Glover? That's kind of cool. Doll? Whoa, and this. Where'd you get this gas mask? Now that's chilling. Oh, did I leave that out here? That's actually not part of the haunted house. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Are you guys sniffing old newsprint or something? Don't ever invite a vampire into your house, you silly boy. It renders you powerless. Did you know that? Of course. Everyone knows that. One thing about living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach. All the damn vampires. The last fire Blind boys don't lie. 
Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, a very special Halloween episode of Stuck in the 80s featuring the Lost Boys. With me as always, he's the Corey Haim to my Corey Feldman, Times pop music critic Sean Daly. So wait a minute, I'm the dead Corey, but I'm also the cute Corey. Yeah. You know what? I'll take it. <laughs> I thought you would. <laughs> yes, the Lost Boys. We've been promising this for at least 249 episodes. Exactly. Exactly that many. And now we finally got to it. I watched it last night, and I found it delightful. You know, I, I'm not a big horror movie guy. No, you say with horror movies that when you're scared, your tendency is to punch, punch somebody, somebody in the face. Yeah. But I like this movie because to me, it's not a horror movie, and and the and the suspense in it is is it's clever and not it's not trying to scare you. It's just trying to it's trying to make you think. Right uh, for the people, the two or three people out there who haven't seen The Lost Boys, directed by Joel Schumacher. Executive produced by Richard Donner. Uh, tell them a little synopsis of the film. Yes, The Lost Boys, a 1987 American teen comedy featuring the great Jason Patrick, the two Corys, Kiefer Sutherland, the beautiful Jamie Gertz. Hotness. She's so hot. Hot. And I never think of her as like a hot like 80s chick. But I do now. They love it when I call them chicks. Yeah. Uh, but sh- good Lord, is she hot. Uh, the much younger Edward Herman. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the always brilliant uh, Bernard Hughes. Uh, this uh, movie follows a family from Arizona that moves to California, Santa Clara? Carla. Carla. Yeah, Santa Carla, but really Santa Cruz. I've been on all those rides before, too. Really? Yeah. And um, only to find out that the town is, in fact, plagued by vampires. Um, but not any vampires. The most coolly dressed vampires ever. And if you didn't want to become a vampire before this movie, you certainly did afterwards, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's my theory on Lost Boys. Uh, and I was curious. It is rated R. It was rated R. However, these days it would be a PG. I don't even know if it would be a PG-13. There's some little profanity in there. A little bit. I don't know if there's any F-bombs. There's the kind of pseudo-sex scene with Jason Patrick and Jamie Gertz. But you don't really see many of the kills. That one campfire scene where the vampires descend upon the hippies slash punks. Right. Um... You see some throats being torn open, but really, it's like a lot of times they pull away, you know. But my thing about Lost Boys, directed by Joel Schumacher, and um, he, you know, obviously has a huge fashion sense. So I think I, I kept texting you throughout the movie last night, and I said, "Man, it's a good-looking movie." But you know what it is? It is a horny little movie too. And for being um, really for a mass populace. Like 1987, like the cutesies, like the whole teen thing had already kind of, uh, like we're kind of seeing this postmodern take on the teen movement, right? So like everyone's like, there's a lot of fornication, Steve. There's a lot of drugs. The blood, the vampire blood is essentially like an opiate, like a heroin. You know what I call this? Less than zero with vampire fangs. Amazing. Show over, bitch. But you, but isn't every vampire movie sexual in nature? I mean, that's like nature of the beast. But you see, like it's really a, a movie about addiction. 
Like, it's a dark movie, and it's so hedonistic. I'm telling you, there's some greater, greater thesis, a theory uh, that should be postulated about Lost Boys. I'm telling you, like, it says something about where we were in the 80s. But but in a way, I mean, Schumacher, the trouble with a Schumacher movie is that you is that you're tempted to try to read something into it when really there's nothing there. I mean, he had just finished St. Elmo's Fire, did he not? When he starts this with Rob Lowe. Yeah, and that's, Rob- that explains the goofy Rob Lowe photo you see uh, in the kid's bedroom. Yeah, what kid's going to have? What young I tried boy. to read something in a St. Elmo's Fire, and you bit my head off you know, from the neck up. No, Remember you, that? You, you romanticized the rape scene. I didn't romanticize the rape scene. And Kathy's not even here, so there's really no reason to kiss <laughs> up to her. Uh, but no, I found Lost Boys to be a little bit... Uh, uh, you know, disturbing in a way. Like all these kids, are like yeah, Lost Boys, let's go to the movies, and it's really kind of uh, very narcotic, paganistic, if you will. <laughs> and like you have the Corey Haim character. I mean, how many drugs are being done on that set? Let's tick off. Uh, let's tick off the the hopheads here. Patrick, Jason, Patrick. I don't uh, know for a fact that he ever did drugs. Well, for legal purposes, I'm just Jason Patrick, <laughs> the Corys, Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, I can't speak for Gertz. Um, Bernard Hughes probably was on Viagra at the time. I well, I actually, Hughes I wouldn't have admit like, it's really funny. Like, you'll have these really, like, intense moments in the movies, and then, like, it's kind of it funny. Like, it's, it's funny. not sure what it wants to be. But I was totally. Um, I think it knows what it wants to be. Mesmerized I think, by it. I think it, 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 there's nothing wrong with combining um, horror and comedy. I mean, it's been done. To, to great effect with the Scream movies, you know, American, American in London. Exactly. I mean, it's not exactly an unknown thing. I think. Um, I think what's even more interesting is the whole Lost Boys idea of why they're trying to make all the comparisons between the vampires and Peter Pan. Um, the name of the dog is Nanook. The name of the dog in Peter Pan is Nana. 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 Right? Oh, really? Was that I, I the, didn't pick the up Edward Herman character? Is the is this character trying to bring this family together? Right. You know, a family of vampires. You know, uh, the idea that um, the vampires and Peter Pan are the only two things that's you know never age kind of thing. It, it's interesting, but you know, again, it's like every Joel Schumacher movie. You, you wanna, you feel like there's so many more layers to it, and really, maybe there aren't, and that's not a bad thing. Well, I saw that pulled in at like the 90 minute mark. It's like any sort of like artistry goes out the window. Like it's very much a movie made to be shown like eight times a day in the Cineplex in 1987. Like let's just pack it in, let's cut it, go, move it, you know. So yeah, I, as far as like some deep message to it, I don't know about the movie itself, but I think where it stood in the 80s, I think it kind of symbolizes like the end of this kind of a certain 80s innocence. And even like all the teen movies, like the John Hughes movies, had a certain edge to them. And, you know, especially in the dialogue, like Lost Boys is like, you know, all these kids who grew up in the 80s, now they're, all of a sudden they're, they're humping. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm just an old curmudgeon. No. Like, I, I thought, like, God, I, and I make that comparison to Less Than Zero, but I'm actually being kind of serious. Like, it, is, it is as if there's a weed joke. They, they, you know, they're joking yeah, yeah, about yeah. smoking an weed. Appetizer. I think what's interesting is that this is almost like a cast of a John Hughes movie that gets in their car and drives out to California and finds themselves in, in vampires. You're exactly right. And so you, you get this weird juxtaposition of innocence and and um adulthood if i'm i guess i was i was 17 when this movie came out you know born in 70 so i was 17 i don't remember seeing it in the theater uh i think i'm gonna miss that one but um i'm sure a lot of kids came out i kind of watched it last night i was feeling a little anxious you know (laughs) (laughs) you know what i like about a 90 minute movie though i wish i wish there were more of them I, i start to lose my patience after 90 minutes i like a story that wraps up in 90 minutes 
Yeah, yeah. I was kind of like, I was ready to go to bed last night. Like, all right, let's wrap this up. Yeah, Sonic, I'm like, wow, look at that. Boom, 90, oh. let's go. Let's move it. So, um, but yeah, some really good performances. Corey Feldman and Jameson Newlander as the Frog Brothers. And yeah. that's a cool little touch. There's some great, great dialogue um, in the movie, too. Like, some real fun lines. Like, it's almost like they built this script around... Great lines. Um, you know... Was it if Grandpa's dead? Can we go back to Phoenix? And of course, death, death by stereo is the big kicker, you know. Yeah, and yeah. even that line Grandpa has at the very end, which is like, "Boom, fade to black." As soon as he says oh, it, brilliant, you know. Um, so here, um, here's what I like about it. Um, I like the idea that when I watch it, every time I watch it, I, I try to I try to think of which character would I want to be in this movie. Like, do you want to be the Jason Patrick vampire? Do you want to be Kiefer Sutherland? You know, I mean, who would you, if you're in a perfect world, who would you be in this movie? Or which one of these actors would you be in real life? Wow. That's a hardcore. Um, I am going to go with Barnard Hughes as grandpa because he gets some, you know, he's kind of in his own little world, you know. He uses Windex for. Uh, he uses Windex for aftershave. That's really, really funny. Um, who would you be? Uh, you know, in a real life, you know, I'd love to be just Jason Patrick, but in real life, I know I'm like the. The, the frog brother that no one remembers his name. That's what this cave is. It's one giant coffin. Right now, they're at the most vulnerable. Easy pickings. Remember, you just have to kill a leader, huh? We don't know which one the leader is. I guess we'll just have to kill them all. We'll start with the little one. First come, first staked. What was that? A little vampire humor? It wasn't funny. No, don't even. Good night, blood sucker. No. The notion of peer pressure in this movie. So Jason Patrick drinks a little of the blood as a dare, which I guess starts turning him into a vampire. He drinks the uh, elixir, as you said earlier, in our dyn- dynamite skit. Um, but then the peer pressure. Come on, come on, Michael. You know, he's Michael. Do it. Do it, Michael. Michael, Michael, do it. Do it. I mean, Jesus, it's almost like an after-school s- special of the damned, you know? <laughs> I'm really look, I'm really torn by yeah. this. I'm very, very well, let me ask you this. about if, this If movie. this had been you, if you were Michael... I almost Mike- think it's an irresponsible movie to be shown to, to, to kids. In fact, when I watched it last night, I thought maybe it was a, a PG or PG-13, but then it's R, and that means, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. If you're Michael and you're in the cave, would you have drank the wine? Probably. Yeah, I think I would, too. Probably. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the parent in me. I'm like, my kids are going to see this. They're going to want to drink the blood and <laughs> have sex. And I don't know. I mean, it looked like sangria to me. It looked pretty tasty. Actually, it looked, yeah, like that whole thing with Red like, Pop. It looked like Red Pop. So basically, let me ask you. So Michael goes back. You know, he's a new kid in town. He gets, he's hot for Jamie Gertz, who is also a vampire. But we never see her she's with like, like a half vampire. Half vampire. And they go back to the vampire lair right off the beach. Um, and... Um, they get Chinese food, which is very odd. And they're like, eat the rice, Michael. And then Michael starts eating the rice, Chinese food, and it's, it's maggots. And then it turns into <laughs> maggots, but not really. So it's like Keith, Kiefer Sutherland doing a mind screw with Michael. Right. Then eat the noodles. And then they're worms, then they're noodles again. Did he do that in order to trick him into drink the, the you know, have a drink? Him thinking it's blood, but it's really not blood, but yeah. it actually is blood? Yeah, that's my theory. He, he set him up. And so then he has this amazing dream, this like, oh my God, he's banging the, <laughs> can I say that? Banging the, the Jamie Gertz and the, he goes in the clouds. 
You know, like all the drug imagery and like the sex and the hanging out at the amusement park at two in the morning. It looks awesome. I know. Where are the repercussions? I want to go there. I want to live in Santa Clara. I know. I want to be a vampire. Uh, Party all day. Anyway, so, I mean, it looks great. You know me, I love the Midway. I love all that uh, amusement park stuff. So all these great night shots of the roller coasters and all those old rides lit right. up. I mean, it's it's a really, really fun movie. Yeah, and and, and pretty much everyone agreed with you at the time. Uh, the Lost Boys came out in 87. It grossed $32 million, which is a very strong performance for an R-rated movie. Um, the the teen friendly tagline is what did it: sleep all day, party all night, never grow old, never die. It's fun to be a vampire. Well, that's I'm I'm furious Why? by that. It's an irresponsible tagline, and it's it's not even the movie. But it's but in a sense, you could argue that the Lost Boys gave birth to Twilight and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, all the all the teen vampire movies that follow basically all you could they all credit Lost Boys. This is it, man. We found the source. This is the source of why uh, Twilight works today. Maybe you're right. Twilight's a kind of a, yeah. Have you seen any of those yet? Lost Boys. Can we, can we talk about that for like two seconds? Have you seen the Twilight movies? I saw the first one. Was it any good? No. Good. But I didn't think, by the time I saw it, everyone, you know, either you're a 13-year-old girl or like a 48-year-old woman, like that seems to be the... Uh, the, the, the. Or a 42-year-old guy dating a 13-year-old girl. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I mean... I gotta check the math on that. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think that but, works out the way I think it does. Um, yeah, but they're, they're kind of flimsy, like the, the Harlequin Romance version of The Lost Boys, I guess. But you're right, this is the source. What's really interesting, too, is that it was meant to be more than it was. When it came out in 87, the way the plot was structured, it was structured for sequels. In fact, the giveaway to the sequels was that David Kiefer Sutherland yeah you see him die by being impaled on the antlers but he doesn't disintegrate his body doesn't uh, right. uh, doesn't explode or turn into dust it just is stuck there the um, it turns very young and boyish yeah, again back to when he probably kind of got bit, bit. Yeah. but the whole idea though was that David was supposed to not be dead and supposed to come back for the sequel, which was to be called Lost Girls, which I got to admit, not a great title. <laughs> but Actually, it could be a really good title. But a script for this and other sequels circulated. And for years, Schumacher made attempts at trying to make a sequel to this movie. It didn't happen until uh, basically, you know, within the last five years when all these straight to DVD, uh, you know, uh, Lost Boys, The Tribe, and Lost Boys, The Thirst started coming back out. And so oh, we, yeah. Have you seen any of those? No, I don't really want to either. I'm sure they're horrible. I mean, to me, the, the Frog Brothers... Feldman was still catching right, right. check on those, the, right? The, 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 the Frog Brothers, upon which most of the sequels are based, to me, they're the weakest link right. in the movie. I, I was seduced by Gertz and Jason Patrick and, you know, and... And even the Edmund Herman character. But to me, it's like, really? The Frog Boys? I mean, we can't, can't we do anything better than that? You know, it's kind of funny. They also, um, they made this movie on a bit of a budget, you can tell, because you never, the flying scenes, it's always like a helicopter, like, uh, point of view, like first person, uh, Shot like you never see anyone actually flying or doing any sort of like grand. But uh, would that have added anything to it though? I mean, if you think about no, it, no. But it's funny. I kind of like they their perspective. I like their perspective. This is what you'd be seeing. Yeah. But um, let, let's get to the most important part of this movie. Yes. That, and I know this is what still drives you and me is the soundtrack. Oh, great! Holy hell! When you talk about great soundtracks of the eighties, um, this has got to be what top five for sure, right? It's big. It's good. Maybe higher than that? Holy cow. I mean, it's incredible. Starting out with the uh, 
The song we started the show with, which is just eerie and gives me the willies to this day, uh, Cry Little Sister by Gerald McMahon. Yeah, Gerald McMahon, I didn't even know who that was, but man, that is a really, you're right, that's chilling. Any sort of like the boys' choir, like in the Omen or Lost yeah. Boys, that always freaks me out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then there's your favorite song, of course. Oh, this one. And you're on the record, right? Yeah, Good Times by NXS and Jimmy Barnes. Play them a little of it. And this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put a call to you. Cause I feel good tonight. And everything's gonna be right, 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 yeah. I'm gonna have a good time tonight. Rock and roll music gonna play all night. Come on, baby, it won't take long. Only take a minute just to sing my song. Let me ask you this. Why is Jimmy Barnes not the voice of NXS these days? Wouldn't that be perfect? Oh, my God. He, I'm they sure they asked him, right? I know, but is he so busy? <laughs> I hope he's still alive. <laughs> I guess um, if he did an Australia the, show, uh, we'd find David out. David Featherston, yeah, that would be good. You know, I will do an Australia in the 80s show if three quarters of it can be uh, devoted to Jimmy Barnes. And this song. He's a working class man. Let's be his Yeah, what else we got on here? Thomas Newman who I believe is nephew, cousin of Randy Newman. This seems like one of his first really good gigs. You know, he does a lot of the uh, Pixar movies now. I didn't know that. Um, he did uh, WALL-E, and he did uh, Finding Nemo. So his score is really, really good. Uh, you got Roger Daltrey doing Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. It's a weird version. Do you want to hear a few seconds of it? Yeah. I don't remember the scene that this is in the movie, but it's on the soundtrack, and it's it's fun to listen to. It probably plays in the background on the radio at some point. I, I hate it when they hide songs. I mean, a John Hughes movie was always good because of John Hughes. They put the songs front and center. I love that. And and sometimes they do in this one. Um, the, one of the songs I love. And- oh, my God. We didn't talk about the one thing. I don't know if this song is on here, but it's for some reason, they all go... The beginning of the movie starts with the guys, the, the sons of Diane Weiss plays the mom. They're like, change the channel, mom. This music blows. This music sucks. Change the channel. And then they go to a beach concert. Do you remember this part? Of a, of a glistening muscle man playing a saxophone. That's a real artist. And all the kids are like, woo, yeah. That's a great song. Yeah, woo. It's terrible. He's playing I Still Believe by The Call. That's <laughs> so bad. I, you, you don't like that song? I was Maybe I was put off by his uh, Vaseline pet. That's Tim Capello, and that is the guy who recorded the song. That is the way he looks. Blowing the sax. I mean, how are these kids like, That is is the artist who covered the song, playing that on the beach. And there's like mayhem, like, yeah, this makes me want to burn down the boardwalk. That's a great song. It's a bizarre scene of him like flexing with a well, yeah, and he's topless, glistening with a saxophone. 
you know, you could listen to. What is in your uh, treasure chest at home? Your I sexual love, treasure chest. I love, for the record, I love sexual the treasure chest. Sexual chest. <laughs> Uh, no, I love the call. That is one of their their songs, one of their big songs, and it was covered in this by Tim Capella, and that is him performing it on the boardwalk. And yeah, well, it's kind of freaky I to see the believe... muscle man doing it, but <laughs> I still believe. I don't know. I don't believe in that song, but you know what I believe in? The Seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, oh, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. Hey, I'll play a segment of a song from the eighties. And if you get it right, Sean will read your name because I'm now out of buttons. No more stuck in 80s buttons. Did you? You had like a hundred gross of, them. of those. I things. sent a ton of them out. Hopefully, you got one in the mail. Um, pay attention. Here's last show's mystery clip. You have the manners of a goat, and you smell like a dung heap, and you have no knowledge whatsoever of your potential. Yeah, that's Sean Connery in Highlander, which uh, Sean has promised me that we will one day watch together. I really, I've never seen it. I'm dying to. You know, I think I've over. Give me a little it. Highlander, not the quote. Give me a little of your own. Come on. How about when they're on the boat? Right? Isn't there a funny scene when he's rocking the boat? No, <laughs> 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 I that imagine the, that. That is the scene. Oh, that's maybe, the mystery oh, scene. Oh, that's the Karate Kid. I always confuse the two. Jeez, Mr. Miyagi and Sean Connery. Not to be confused. Read the winners. Yes, lot of winners. Lot of winners. Um, this week's winners include Mr. Big W, Carl Withers from Gifford, Illinois, Ed Nelson, Stephen Denver, Joe from Athens, Don in the Sticks. Or is that Steese? Is that Dutch? <laughs> Rush Cress, Chris from South Lyon, Bug from Chicago, Chris from Denver, Mondreas, Tom drinking Kolsch in Cologne, Germany, Jerry the Metal Guy, Juke. Box Johnny, Kevy Metal. Wow, there's a blast from the past. Kevy Metal, Laszlo Hollyfield. Oh, real genius. Love that. Ishmael in Kentucky. Not a lot of Ishmaels in Kentucky, I imagine. He might be the only one. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I'm drawing cartoon penises on my notes. I'm not sure what that means. Um, <laughs> Colin Hayes, Crash from Long Beach. <laughs> he still owes me money. Tyson in Kansas. Oh, and a special surprise. Michelle Williams, a.k.a. Solana, writes, Hi, guys. I believe the magical movie moment from the last issue, <laughs> the last issue is from Highlander. I don't really want the T-shirt if I'm right. I am not a small J. But I'm hoping, sh oh, small J, small J. Is that an emoticon or something? I'm not a small J. But I'm hoping Sean will sexually read my name. Love the Dinos of the Rock series, Jay. <laughs> what are you doing to me? What are these Jays showing up? It must be emoticons. Solana, a.k.a. Michelle Williams. Solana. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. I didn't know you. I didn't know your relationship with Mac. I only knew he was hiding something. Turned out to be his feelings. If you know it, email us at stuckinneeds at tempe.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. Ah, the mystical refrain of name that 80s tune. Hey, I'll play a snippet of a song from the 80s if you can get it right. Sean's just warming up the sexy voice, I think. <clears throat> I think you should use it for this one, too. Are you ready? <clears throat> Pay attention. Here is last show's mystery clip. That's The End of the Innocence by Don Henley. Let your hair fall all around you. Offer up your best 
lot of people got that one wrong, Sean. They all guessed that uh, you would be drawing penis uh, <laughs> on your um, notes. And now- End of the Innocence make you cry? Has End of the Innocence ever made Spearsy cry? No, I don't think so. That's interesting. I like. I appreciate your question. And um, normally, I would say yes. I but... think that should be a new segment. <laughs> Every oh what my god, cry? I love this. What makes Spearsy cry? <laughs> yeah, every week I bring in something, be it like a real live puppy. You know, is he gonna that, cry? That has a broken no. leg. Yeah, or I break it, <laughs> and there's nothing you can do behind the glass. <laughs> or like some a film clip or a song. Or like me, or like I just read some poetry. What makes Spearsy cry? <laughs> um. Anyway, you know what song I love by Don Henley? This is the last worthless evening, Spearsy. Does that make you cry? More likely that one. Yeah. Winners include Sal from Stowe, Ohio. Stow, Ohio. <laughs> Stowe. 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 Sal from Stowe. Howard in Fremont, Scott, a.k.a. Tremoland, Tim Fisher, Brian Spoon, Calhoun, Mike from Boston in Suspicious Quotes, Mike from Boston, Gary and Gilroy, Matt from Sudbury, Sudbury, and Tony and St. Pete, who writes, Hi, Sean and Steve, Steve and Sean. The music clip you played is indeed from one of my favorite artists, Mr. Don Henley, End of the Innocence. By the way... I've been offered a Don Henley interview. Cool. But, oh. but, oh. via email. What? You, we and, don't I, you rate, and I both. We don't rate Don Henley? Uh, yeah, we are. I don't want to take it. What do you think? You should take it. I'm just saying, I'm surprised he won't give us the courtesy take of the email? phone call. Yeah, it's why like not? Larry Henley writing back. Eh, well, you never know. It takes you five minutes to, to, to do it. Time well spent. When I was in that great band, The Ravens. Oh, wait a minute. Larry Henley, I know that's you. Anyway, I have butterflies. This is um, our our reader, Tony in St. Peter, continues. I'm sorry. I have butterflies as I'm typing this because not only did I score second-row orchestra seats to Don Henley's show at the upcoming uh, Mahaffey Theater in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, but I also plan on proposing to my beautiful girlfriend of seven years, Danielle, at this concert. Now, let me ask you this, Spearsy. What if Danielle is listening to the show? Uh, I'll, I'll tip off Tony and tell him. Yeah, but I also plan on proposing to my beautiful girlfriend of seven years, Danielle, at this concert. I have finally worked up the nerve. Wow, I, I admire anybody who can do that. I've never had the nerve. You have had too much nerve. <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles are my favorite band, though I considered proposing at last year's Orlando show. The time did not seem right. So if either of you... Uh, you two happen to be at this concert, and my plastic baggie of rum doesn't rip and ruin the moment. Look for the sobbing 37-year-old Norwegian guy in that section when Mr. Henley plays his hit, The Last Worthless Evening! All while thinking in the back of my head, Mama, no! Your silent fan and usually sitting near Sean at most concerts but fails to say hi, Tony Balchin. Wow. Balchin. That's a lot, that's a lot <laughs> of information. Wait, you're a silent fan and usually sitting near Sean at most concerts but fails to say hi, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. Say hi. Say hi. Come up and say hi. Slap me on the rump. Give me a little sugar. Uh, where are we? What do you do? What do you, what <laughs> do, you think he'll do? Is he just going like, to pop out the ring during a song and just kind of like show it to her? I mean, he can't really talk. I mean, yeah, can... like during a song, Henley's up there, this is the last. And Tony's like, Danielle, will you marry me? She's like, What? What'd you say? Marry me. No. <laughs> That's horrible. Don't he, don't, no. She'll say yes. She'll say yes. 
What's the topic of this week's show? I don't know. Don Henley. <laughs> Larry. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at stuckinies at tempe.com. And then you tell us, along with your answer to this question, along with the, the mystery song, if it's what song should Tony propose to during this set? If it's not The Last Worthless Evening, what other song would you pick? Desperado. <laughs> Why don't you come to yours? And Danielle's kind of like the Desperado. Maybe. I don't know. We'll take a poll. Or if you don't want to play that game, play What Song Would Make Spearsy Cry? <laughs> Nothing could tear me away from my Count Chocula seal. Who's that? Good morning. The real Dracula. For real? May I have some? You can have mine. I'll sink my teeth into what? The delicious chocolatey marshmallows in Count Chocula cereal. Oh, yeah. And it's part of this complete breakfast too. How about a monster for breakfast today? For real? Great Echo and the Bunnyman playing People Are Strange. A much better version than the Doors version, you think? Since you don't like the Doors? I hate the Doors. Yes! I so love you like Echo this song. The, yeah, I love Echo and the Bunnyman. Let me ask you this, with the last few seconds we have remaining. Where does this movie rank among the great vampire movies? Uh, number four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Maybe I'll put it up there pretty high. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the website that, that uh, keeps track of a lot of movie reviews, they ranked the top 25 uh, vampire movies of all time, and they ranked it 14th, saying that uh, it, quote, blends humor, horror, and plenty of visual style with standout performances from a cast full of young 1980s stars. 14th. It's pretty that's, high. Yeah, it's pretty high. I think it's a top five. Uh, Nosferatu, like, come on. You curious which uh, other 80s vampire movies made their list? I am curious. Fright Night from 1985 ranked 6th. And Near Dark from 1987 ranks fifth. I would say Love at First Bite, number one. <laughs> no, I'm just I think kidding. that's 1979. Love at First Bite? Yeah. I was just kind of kidding about it didn't, that. It but... didn't uh, make their top 25 list. I love that movie, though. Children of the Night. Love Shut first, up. Love at First Bite. And then Susan St. James in that. Makes me, oh, yeah. makes me feel a little funny inside. With you, it's never a quickie. Always a longie. <laughs> I love that movie. You should do that voice at the Haunted Lair experience. How much are tickets this year for the Haunted Lair? God, nobody comes to the Haunted Lair. Yes, yes. I two people. Every time you shuffle your papers, I see the penis drawing. I just want to sh- <laughs> it just jiggles in front oh, of me. Oh, look at this. Sorry, get me <laughs> out of here. Great. Well, happy so, Halloween, everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. We don't do Halloween shows every year, but when we do them, we really mean it. Lonnie. That's Lonnie. why. That's why we don't do Halloween shows. Anyway, Sean Daly, along with Jason Patrick, Bernard Hughes, and the two Corys remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s.
Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. Read our blog at TampaBay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the show at iTunes. Chase. I don't know. I just, this is a weird f- show. All right.